the Paticca Samupada, in this retreat, the Buddha presented teachings which are reflective teachings to be examined, investigated. They apply to the way things are in the mind. The teacher Samupada is about, is is merely a skillful means the Buddha devised to investigate the mind, suffering, the end of suffering. What attachment, what desire and attachment are in, in rebirth. Now, if you carry this through diligently and properly, then of course you will you will have that direct insight knowledge that we get beyond doubt. It's not a theoretical kind of uh, it's not on a theory. It's not a, a theory of dependent origination. <coughs> Now this applies to everything in Buddhism, is bringing attention to to yourself, to the world you create, to your feelings, the the, the habit formations, the memories, thoughts, experiences, all of this. Because this is we're not talking about a an objective world anymore, or meditation, we're trying to breathe uh, some kind of reality into into the perceptions of an objective world. But we're not denying the, the, the laws of nature and the, and the um, way things are. But we're looking at them in a different way than, than most human beings tend to look, because most, uh, most human beings out of avicca, and they condi- then they create all these, these uh, wrong views opinions about the world. And so the, the world rises and ceases in a moment. See, the world is not a, not a material world, but that which arises and ceases in a moment. The world is continually arising and ceasing. As long as you're ignorant, you'll create the world out of a habit. The world you create arises and ceases. But you only... Uh, the ignorance is aware of the arising, not not of the world as such, but you attach to the arising formations and tend to dismiss or ignore the the uh, cessation, the ceasing ones. Isn't it just modern the vanity and and self view and modern trends and all that definitely emphasize and exalt the arising side of life to seek more and more arisings. That's what interest is, isn't it? To become interested and have romance and adventures and excitement and stimulation and good food and good music and see beautiful things with your eyes and uh, sexual experiences and this whole, all of this that, that excites, stimulates, scintillates, fascinates, interests is conditions arising. Mm. Mm. See, 
Abhita Bhajaya Sankara, so that out of the latent tendencies of karma, being born and being ignorant, and and uh, of the of the things that we do and the way we're conditioned to perceive ourselves and the worlds we create, then that affects the consciousness. Now in Vipassana, we're investigating consciousness. What exactly is vijnana? And to to really to know vijnana with wisdom rather than just be caught with with uh, with just being stuck with uh, the avicca bhajya sankara sankara bhajya vijnana process. So you're, you're using wisdom rather than ignorance, vicha rather than avicca, to, to be able to recognize consciousness for what it is as not self, consciousness is not self, consciousness is what? It's a discriminative function. That's what we mean by consciousness. It's it uh, discriminates, it divides, it separates. You have to have a subject and object. Consciousness uh, is, is subject, object, subject contacting object, and the, uh, and the, which arises between that contact is consciousness. Now, there's nothing wrong with consciousness, but if you don't know what's happening, if you're just caught in the habit formations and tendencies of your of your conditioning, then you one is always making the wrong uh, making the wrong uh, assumptions from, from from being conscious. One tends to to identify with the separativeness of consciousness. I'm a, I am permanently kind of a separate soul, a separate person. This is my body, that's your, your body's over there, and these, these are my robes, and I'm this way and you're that way. And all of this is consciousness, the function of consciousness, which, uh, we, we, like, right now, I am the subject. You're objects. That's all you are. You're just objects. In consciousness, isn't it? I'm sorry about that, but (laughs) but that's the way it's been my whole life. (laughs) Being the subject of this of this being's life has not been easy or pleasant except in the monastic form, increasingly more pleasant, more peaceful. But they, they, um, this, is, this is just pointing to what consciousness is and how if you don't understand vijnana with wisdom, then you just get confused by the experience of being conscious, of having consciousness. And you misinterpret everything. And life becomes very difficult, complicated, all that, because of that, that misunderstanding of each other, the latent tendencies of sankhara, 
programming and conditioning of our life, vinyana then tends to to not be understood. So then it affects uh, vinyana gets into nama rupa salayatana, or it becomes name and form and sense uh, sense organs, all identified from the avicca position. And then, then the sense organs, pasa. If you, if you don't have sense organs, there's no contact. If you're blind, no matter how beautiful a sight might come in front of your eyes, there's no contact because the, the uh, eyes are no longer operating, no longer functioning. So, so therefore, if, say if you've been blind from birth, then you don't even have a memory of what is seen from, from isn't it? if you if you go blind after you're born you have a certain part of your life with sight at least you have memory you can say this is a rose and I can remember what a rose is even though I can't see it the sense organs and then the the, the eye ear nose tongue body mind Contact. So the aramana, or the the, ek, the the objects to the senses, and the sense organs when they meet, then there's, then that is called consciousness. And how that's all interpreted is conditioned through avicca, or ignorance. And then from that, then there's the vedana, because. This is a, an experience of sensitivity, of having sense organs and being conscious. And when there's pasa, when there's contact with the objects, there's going to be vedana, which is the, the experience of pleasure, pain, or neither pleasure nor pain, or beauty or ugliness, or neither beauty nor ugliness. So there's always this this polarity and the, and the neutrality of Vedana. Vedana is used in different ways. And it can be Sukha, Tukha, Atukha, Matsukha, the three Vedanas, suffering, pleasure, pain, and neither pleasure nor pain. And then it's also five. With adding Tukha with Tomanatla and Sukha with Tomanatla, mental, mental anguish, mental delight. And then there's six uh, Vedana in the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. But this, the Vedana, these these are just ways of contemplating uh, using these different groups uh, help you to get a perspective on Vedana, on pleasure, uh, say, pleasure through the eye the attractiveness, say, of the rose. Sukha. That would be Sukha Vedana. They, since uh, they put up such nice curtains, I don't have the curtains to talk about anymore. I used to use the, the old curtains as, a, as the experience of Dukkha Vedana. <laughs> they were so ugly. What, what's ugly? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
But anyway, you, I think you understand the point. So vedanupasana, vedana, that feeling of uh, really contemplate this, just like with when you with your arms bow, when you when you have your food, and you're contemplating, watching this food before you eat it. Just note the the attraction to that's there without making it personal, without saying, oh, I'm greedy for this food. See, this is just a, when, when there's hunger, this sense organ is attracted to something that's it, 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 going to give it pleasure. That's just the natural way of things. That's not a personal flaw or anything. It's not, not greed in the sense of, of defilement yet, is it? it? It's just the way things are. That that whole process is just the the way things are. It's not. It's not. If you're taking it as a vicha bhajaya sankara, then then you know, one tends to take it all very personally. I mean, we here in the Western world, we've we tend to feel guilty about sexual desires and and greed for food and all the kind of natural functions and instinctual things of of our bodies and life experience, we tend to see as if it was some kind of personal uh, failure or something wrong for, for being attracted to somebody else or, or feeling sexual desire or sexual attraction to somebody else or, or just the, the seeing the, the, what is beautiful or what is ugly. And, and then we can interpret it from an ideal position, can't we, of if I were really a pure-hearted person, I wouldn't have any of these low desires. I would be just completely living in a world of, of etheric uh, purity. We have, people usually don't think about things all that clearly, so, so that there's tremendous guilt and and aversion and self-criticism over just misunderstanding and taking everything in the wrong way, rather than seeing that these the, the bodies are like this, uh, having sex organs, being born through sexual having uh, through, through sexuality, act of sex, and all this 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 is the result is that we have these very natural instinctual. Uh, attractions, so that it's it's to be seen for what it is, as Vedana rather than as me and mine. This way, you're you're looking at it as it is. Isn't it? You're not you're not dismissing it, suppressing it, identifying with it, blaming it or anyone else. You're, you're pointing to exactly, you're contemplating exactly what it is, what sexual attraction is, rather than what, you, what you've been conditioned to perceive it to be. Or what attraction, say, looking in your alms bowl, what, what that is, 
as as a, as an actual as as w- without giving it all the personal perceptions or give or have been idealistic about how you'd like to be how you would like to be one can investigate the alms food just to see what what is what attracts the eye just what bits and what what morsels what things attract the eye what don't what what don't attract the eye because one finds oneself going toward the attractive things and avoiding the un- unattractive <laughs> that's just the natural way of things too isn't it going with attraction has that power you you, you go to it and rip something that is unattractive rep- is repulsive we tend to withdraw or ignore t- or or run away from it But in wisdom and awareness, then you're contemplating this whole process of being, of having been born in a, in, in a sensory formation with consciousness. The subject, the object, like the alms food is the object, isn't it? The subject, the eye contacting the alms food in the alms bowl. That's the aramana, the alms bowl at that moment. The eye and consciousness arise. And then from that, the the uh, the um, vedana of attraction or repulsion or indifference, and then desire, desire will uh, will be conditioned by the vedana. So desire. Ubadana bhava, then investigate this that that process of dana ubadana bhava. So you you're reflecting on what it is, what is grasping of desire, what is non-grasping of desire, what is suppression of desire, because that's another kind of grasping, isn't it? Suppression of desire is also grasp is ubadana, as well as as grasping desire in a positive way, following it. Or rejecting it. Now, consciousness in this sense of vicha bhajaya sankara sankara bhajaya vinyana, this is the the this is the the all this like vinyana is is just a function of the mind, and it becomes more more precise, doesn't it, when it gets to salayatana. Because then your sense organ, like if you've seen, looking at, at your alms bowl, then that's jaku vinyana. Because of the, of the eye and um, contacting the object of the, the, contacting the alms bowl, that's jaku vinyana. And then the, then the feeling uh, that comes from that moment of attraction, aversion, or neither. Now that take to that's what we mean by reflection, being to be able to reflect on the way it is. Sati, sampachanya, panya. All these words imply that reflective mind, 
ability that we have to contemplate our own existence. If we are consciousness, then we, how could we ever really understand it? If we are discriminative, just a discriminative function of the mind, then you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, you'd have no way of, of contemplating it. So the fact that vijnana is not self, and that through awareness, through this ability to be aware and to reflect and investigate, means that we begin to see consciousness as for what it is, as that the grasping of it, the grasping of of, of consciousness. And all that that implies through Vedana takes us to old age, sickness and death. It's like grasping your body as yourself. Where is it taking you? Old age, sickness, death. Every one of us, isn't it? Our bodies, if, if that's what we are, then, then the, the identity with the body, then that means we're, 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 going, we're, going, we're getting old. And we get sick with a lot of sickness, <laughs> and and we'll die. So that that's that's the grasping of the body itself. Grasping of mental formations takes us to soka paritewa tukatomanasa upayasa, which is all the mental anguish and despair and that 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 we have before we before the body dies. That's why thinking, having opinions and views, grasping ideas, idealism, and, and all of this takes us to despair and doubt and uncertainty. All of you who are the great doubters here, what are you doing? You're grasping your thoughts and ideas. That's what you're doing. You really need to look at that that tendency to grasp your views and opinions, ideas. Then you need to look at, at that, that in you which thinks and, and then grasps at the thought. Or suppresses thought is the same thing. Grasping ideas. And we live in a, Britain's a very idealistic society. Fairness. Everything's got to be fair here. Isn't it? That's the wine of the British. It's not fair. <laughs> everything's got to be fair and everything's got to be, you know, equality and freedom and, and lovely ideas. Reading uh, Indra's Net, uh, the the Buddhist Peace Fellowship uh, journal that came. <coughs> they're, they're so high-minded, incredibly high-minded. <laughs> 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 I'm talking about we must, as Buddhists, feel the suffering of all humanity, <laughs> all humanity. He goes on in that vein. It's Claire Charrington. 
So you, you know, this is very high-minded thinking. We can't just be selfish and, and just think of this person or that person, but we must share the suffering with all humanity. Grasping that view, I mean, not that it's wrong or bad or anything, it's very high, very high-minded, but the grasping of that view will take us to despair. We're always going to feel upset because we're, we're expecting the best as a kind of permanent thing, and, and we're always going to feel frustrated and disillusioned, disappointed by the fact that, that it doesn't, most of the world isn't that way most of the time. And even oneself. I mean, you can't spend every moment of, your, of the day sharing the suffering of everybody in the universe. <laughs> it's just not possible. And is it really that, is it really a, something that, that, if it were, that we should be doing? But anyway, that's, that's just a, that, that, is, that is a high-minded way of thinking. And, and in one way it's true. We, we, you know, if, when you put it in a perspective and contemplate it, there's something to contemplate, there's something worth, something said that's, that's worth saying. But if it's just grasped as an ideal, then of course such idealism can only take us to great disillusionment and despair with, with the realities of human existence. Because it's like this, isn't it? This is the way it is. It feels like there's a subject, the object, and consciousness, and, and, the, and the infinite variety of conditions that just we create, uh, one individual being, one subject to this world can create so many complicated conditions. So life becomes complicated, convoluted, mad, crazy. We have to get away from it by, by if you, if you aren't into meditation, then there's a cock and bottle, drink, drugs, TV, and just uh, sens sensual indulgence helps you to kind of at least have moments respite and a, and a few seconds of pleasure. And then what? <laughs> Rebirth, then, is, is in this uh, jati, word jati, rebirth, implies this very mental, this mental uh, arising, becoming, and then being born as what one becomes. When you've achieved, when you've actually become that, you've actually taken a bite of the delicious uh, cake. And then the then the then the delicious taste. You've become that way at that moment. That's a rebirth, as a delicious piece of cake. You know, <laughs> or someone who has is enjoying 
enjoying something delicious. But then what happens with rebirth, with the, with the enjoyment of that taste, is that you can't, it doesn't last, does it? You can't taste it for very long, and then it's gone, and so you have to have another one. After a while, you don't even, even tasting what you're eating. It's just, eating becomes just a habit, and you're just kind of putting it in the mouth and chewing it and swallowing it. Once in a while, a taste, delicious taste might arise, or you might savor a little bit of this and that. But so much of eating is merely just the habitual um, chewing and swallowing. not any really different than defecating. <laughs> no. Defecating is something that we don't like to do in, in groups. Having a monk or a nun is like wisely reflecting. <laughs> because why? Because it is not beautiful, it's not attractive, is it? It's not, it's, it's something that taken from a vicha bhajaya sankara is as a personal thing. It's humiliating, isn't it? It's, it's, it's uh, undignified. And as a person, as a personality, we want to appear with dignity and, and look, look uh, at least, uh, you know, not appear in any way that, look, that we lose our dignity and our presence that is, that is uh, worthy of respect or pleasing. So we feel terribly embarrassed about, about the defecation and yet, food we can feel, we can we go to great preparations and to prepare banquets and and uh, all kinds of table manners and and uh, the rules of etiquette have been formed just around putting food into our mouths and chewing it. How many knives and forks and uh, kind of super posh dinner party. How eating has become such a kind of refinement and, and uh, complication. Something much more than just uh, putting, it in putting stuff in your mouth and chewing it. Because it's the pleasure, isn't it? A dinner party is a pleasurable experience to sit uh, in a beautifully, with a beautifully prepared meal in a beautiful room with crystal and chinaware and silver and vases of flowers and beautiful furniture and charming companions and important people and, and soft, lovely background music. 
isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's all attractive. Everything there is attractive. It's beautiful. It's pleasing. Well, this is a reflection on, say, just on the sense, sense realm of pleasure or on the high-minded realm of becoming. Of, we, should, we should learn to feel the suffering of all human beings everywhere. Or it's got, it isn't fair. We should be fair. There, should be, there shouldn't be these terrible things happening in the world. There should be only kindness and uh, compassion justice, mercy, and all the rest. That's how it should be. And then that, that's, those are all beautiful concepts. They're high, and they're beautiful. And they have low ideas. Look out for yourself, nobody else will. Uh, everybody's selfish and mean there's no meaning to the universe it's just dog eat dog law of the jungle and uh, men women they're all rotten to the core <laughs> just trying to one man came last Sunday I was talking about Gorbachev's speech to the UN and he Oh, immediately got into a negative state about how you can't ever trust the Soviet Russians. And immediately the mind would take the, the worst possible interpretation. And yet the, it was a very high-minded speech. Beautiful speech. We can live in a world of just... Of just uh, fear and violence some many beings living in that way just where it's, it is a kind of uh, demonic realm where people just are that way where they they persecute and torture and frighten each other and, and uh, exploit each other they're not denying I'm not saying I'm not naive I know those things happen and that that's one world isn't it but that is the world of, the, of, of that consciousness of avicca, bhajaya, sankhara. That's not ultimate reality. That's, that's just a, a miserable realm that somebody creates out of ignorance. Or we can just live in a kind of blah state. Just wishy-washy, habitual behavior, just getting by. And, uh, and not putting any effort or, or, or anything into our lives. But in a society like this, you can drift along in it very easily. In Western European countries, isn't it? It's very easy. In Australia, it's the United States, they're all countries that are set up to allow the most spiritless, wishy-washy human being to get through life all right. They're not. They're, they're, that's what modern democracy is about. It tends to bring everything down to incredible mediocrity. Or not? Uh, mediocrity is not incredible, is it? <laughs> it's not incredible at all. It's quite credible. Mediocrity. 
incredible mediocrity and a kind of lowest common denominator. And, uh, and, and we cre- create a society where you can just float in it without doing anything and, get, and somehow get by. So a lot of people in, in, in the affluent Western world are just wishy-washy beings, aren't they? Just, just getting by without doing much of anything or caring much about anyone or, or just because the system allows for millions of beings to do that. Contemplate the world that you, rather than really, really investigate the world that you create. What is the world in this sense? The lokia. The world that, if you're offended or upset by life, it's because you've created a world in which you are somebody who can be upset or offended. And as a person, and look at the 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 self-views you have. We're talking this morning at the gruel, just learning to look at that right here in your heart. When just, the, 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 just think to yourself, me, me. And then what, what does that bring to, as, as, a, as, a, as a lingering feeling in your, in your heart? Is it a positive feeling? Do you feel, when you say me, do you feel that that's a good thing? Me? Or does the mind tend to go toward me? Me. And to go towards negative. What is that kind of lingering suggestion there in your heart? Just with that two-letter word, me. Me can also, me, it can be a pejorative word. Me, 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 the me person. Think of me. And so me can also have, be, has been used in English, popular English verbiage as a kind of, not, not a very nice thing. But it's, a, well, it, it's I am. I, I am. And, and just to, to contemplate, investigate, the lingering feeling, what that suggestion does, what that brings up into consciousness. And bearing with it, with the, with the feeling of it, till it, till it, doesn't, till it ceases, through its cessation. Because you're not analyzing, saying you, you should have a positive me, or, or you shouldn't have a negative me, or anything like that. We're not going into, to, you know, think positively and, and develop a positive ego. We're hoping, hoping you're beyond that one, but you can <laughs> you can actually investigate the process. So the, this allowing things to go by 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 letting that which you've never let into consciousness, be conscious. 
This is the way of, of mindfulness. You're actually using your consciousness in a very skillful way with wisdom. <clears throat> this experience of consciousness, of birth in a separate form, of being a human being, consciousness and feeling, you're using it skillfully. It's Dhamma. It's the path. It's, it's the Eightfold Path. This body and this mind. This one here, this subjective one. I'm not talking in abstractions. This is the path, the Eightfold Path, this, this body and mind. And by understanding it, by understanding the conditions, by letting go, by realizing the, the cessation of the conditions, and all this is, is a continuous path because this is a lifetime, isn't it, within the... This is what life is. This is our human experience of living, breathing, feeling in consciousness for a lifetime till the death of this body. So the path is, is a continuous path of mindfulness, wisdom, reflection, investigation. You don't ever get to the point where you're, you're enlightened and there's no more path. You're just in a state of kind of radiant light that never that uh, and and you never have to put forth any effort whatsoever anymore. Just kind of floating in a bubble. I used to wish that would happen. If I only get pain one of those enlightened states, I could just float the rest of my life in a bubble of light around the world, <laughs> like and be comfortable all the time and happy. And never, never, ha never get a cold. <coughs> but this is the the, the the path is 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 the is a path that we develop and cultivate in this lifetime. This way, it's it's the path of non-suffering. That's the, that is the way out of suffering. When you're developing path, when you're cultivating path, there's no suffering. You still feel. You're still going to see ugly things and hear ugly things. There's still going to be sukha vedana, dukkha vedana, dukkha matsukha vedana, because that's just the, the, the way things are in this realm, in this form. But there's no suffering because there's no body, no creations being made out of avicca anymore. So the path, whatever, what we do experience as individual beings in this lifetime is path for us, is dhamma, is the magga. To really to reflect on your jitta, on the mind itself, just to, to be aware of it, just scattered or composed. I mean, the reflection, knowing what concentration, what a composed mind is, what what it when it's scattered, when it's confused, when it's clear, when it 
it's flexible, when it's rigid. This is, this is, just to, to know this, the way of knowing, rather than when it's confused to try to make it clear. When it's scattered to think, I've got to compose it. The more you just recognize scattered mind as scattered mind and confused mind as confused mind, that's the way it is. As soon as you think, I've got to get out of, get rid of the confusion and compose my mind, you're starting from avicca bhajaya sankara again because I'm somebody that shouldn't be the way I am and I've got to make it otherwise. So that's why all your attempts through just willpower from the self-view uh, take you to Soka Paritewa Tukatomanasa Upayasa in meditation. If you're feeling despair and anguish about your meditation, it's because the, 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 you're still somebody who has to do something, become something, get something, attain something. And you haven't got or attained what you should think you should get yet. So you're feeling despair. <coughs> 